Hello, and thanks for joining the Pastoral Advisory Culturally Incorrect Material podcast. We will be discussing a lot of uh, culturally incorrect material in regards to the church and the Christian life. A lot of this material is going to be based off of my newest book, Awakening the Sleeping Giant, Church Rediscovered. Uh, which focuses on the structural elements of the New Testament church um, and compares those to the structural elements of the traditional North American church, um, while also offering um, different strategies and tools uh, for the church to become a, a better reflection of the biblical church. So I'm really excited about this podcast. This is episode number one. And uh, my plan is to have different guest speakers on here from pastors and missionaries, uh, church staff, um, just regular Christians living their everyday life, um, as well as those who have distanced themselves from the traditional church, maybe altogether, or those who have moved uh, to just a house church model. Um, and my hope for this podcast is for conversations to begin surrounding the structural elements of the church and what needs to change. Because when we look at anything with structure, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's the, the human body, uh, whether it's a TV screen, whether it's a program, a business or a church, whatever it's founded on, the foundational structure absolutely defines the outcome, right? Whatever the structure is made to do, that's what's going to happen. That is the outcome that we can expect. Um, and therefore, we can expect um, an organization to look like whatever type of foundation uh, it began on. So if a organization begins by utilizing a business model, right, we can expect an organization to look like, feel like, and operate like a business. And we can also apply this to the church. And this is what many have done within the North American church is they have taken um, business principles. They've taken a business model um, tweaked it just a little bit um, to implement it uh, in the church. And so essentially, a majority of the North American churches are built on a foundational structure that is actually designed uh, for businesses. So when you see, you know, I, I just saw, um, I think it was a TikTok uh, the other day, and, and there's this, it was this lady, and what she was saying is 100% true, but there was this lady talking about, you know, how these mega churches, you know, and all of these different financial things and questions and blah, 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 right? And, and she was right with a lot of the stuff. But what I want to make sure that we point out with this podcast is although, you know, there are a lot of churches out there that function like a business. Um, operate like a business, they, they deal with their finances like a business. I do not believe it is necessarily um, the fault of the senior pastors, the leadership, elders. I believe uh, it is a problem with the foundational structure that churches are built on. Because just like a business, 
if there is not enough money coming in, then a church cannot sustain itself. And the only place that churches get money from are by people coming regularly and giving regularly. Where a business has products or services to sell, churches don't have that. So what do they have? They have people and people that give. And so what ends up happening is much like a business focuses on um, trying to get people in the doors to purchase product, what churches churches end up focusing on by default is getting people in the doors to give. And that actually ends up being a motivating factor for almost everything traditional churches do, as well as almost everything traditional churches don't do, right? There's always, I, I don't want to say always, there's most of the time there is um, a financial reason behind everything they do. Every event they put on, every message they preach, right? It, again, I do not believe it's necessarily the people. I believe it is the structure that forces the people to have to do this. So when a church is planning a large event, um, you know, recently like you know, tr trunk or treating has become a big thing, um, especially recently with churches. You know, it was a big thing for some of the mega churches, you know, for quite some time. Um, but recently, I've seen these really small churches starting to do this trunk or treat thing, and and the original purpose behind this, I, I think, was authentic. I think it was a good idea. Right. The idea was you know, to provide a safe place for kids to um, go and trick or treat and get candy. You know, um, I believe the intentions were good. You know, we could go down a whole other road with that, but we're not going to go down that today. But what what ended up happening is, is churches start realizing that by holding events like this that are attractive to the community, it actually attracts people to the church. And so now what you're starting to see are small churches doing it, big churches doing it, not to um, provide a safe place for kids because most churches have now moved their trunk or treat so kids can still go out on Halloween and trick or treat. You know, churches w used to hold it on Halloween night, you know, that way kids didn't really have a choice and now many of them change that many of them will have it the night before or a couple nights before right and and so the really the original purpose has been defeated because they realized that the purpose of providing a safe place did not bring in as much people as using it as a way to attract people then they could shift the dates around whatever they wanted now they were also getting those families that want to go trick-or-treating on Halloween. So they're like double double dipping, right? And it's a, it's a financial strategy tactic that many churches are using. And again, I, I, I'm gonna repeat myself over and over again, and, and I hope you get sick of it because I'm trying to drive a point home. I do not believe it is the people within the church leadership that are at fault. I firmly believe that it is the structural system being used that forces the people to look for ways to bring people in the doors uh, to uh, up the giving. But this also goes with the messages being preached, right? Um, you know, any of these really hard topics, you know, um, homosexuality, gender identity, 
divorce, marriage, um, any number of other common sins that are now taking place, churches begin to slowly, slowly back away from teaching and preaching on those things. So they're they're not necessarily um, supporting those lifestyles, but they're also not teaching against those lifestyles. It's kind of like a neutral space for most people because what that does is it allows them to welcome in a wide range of people, you know, without, um, you know, making people feel bad essentially, right? Um, because if they make people feel bad, they might not come back. And if they don't come back, they might not give. And so what ends up happening is when churches do not have a proper foundational structure, there is absolutely positively no possibility of truth not being compromised unless a church is willing to remain small or willing to die. They're, they're the only three options. You cannot have a large traditional church and speak the absolute biblical truths that we find in scripture while neglecting certain teachings. It just, it just won't happen. And so the purpose of this podcast is to begin discussing, you know, some of these aspects of the foundation that many churches use and, and start explaining why this happens, why these don't work, and then offering solutions to those things and suggestions on how we might consider changing um, our strategies within the church. What is our focus? What is our goal? Right? Is, is the goal of the church to grow or is the goal of the church to make disciples and spread the gospel? Right. When we see, you know, there, there's a lot of churches out there who use Acts 2, 42 through 47 as kind of like their mantra. Right. Like, yeah, Acts 2, 42, 47. Right. We're going to we're going to go and we're going to be the church. We're going to do all this stuff. Right. But there's one important aspect to Acts 2, 47 that it seems like almost every single church has forgotten. It is God that brings the increase, not the people. Right. It is not what they do that brings in the people. It's because they do it. God brings the people. So it's just a simple motive change. Right. Um, my wife and I had the pleasure of um, visiting Israel in 2019. We were super excited. Um, for many people, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to go visit Israel. And we had that opportunity. I went with my university um, with other fellow alumni and their um, spouses or family members. Um, and we had a great time. There was one spot on this trip that my wife and I were not really excited to go to. Um, and it was uh, Magdala. No, I might pronounce that a little bit wrong, but uh, Magdala. We knew nothing about this place. They'd never heard of it before. Um, but it ends up being, it is actually the town that Mary Magdalene was from. And so we went there and, you know, we saw some really cool stuff. It's actually one of the best, if not the best um, preserved um, in structure city 
um, in Israel. It's really amazing. And, and although you know the mosaics were beautiful, the buildings were amazing, like that is not what struck me because there's lots of that stuff in Israel. What struck me is how well preserved the city was and how well it represented what Acts 2, 42 through 47 is actually all about. I think a lot of us look at Acts 2, 42 through 47 as like a blueprint of like what a church should be looking right. Like, well, we should commit ourselves to the apostles' teaching. It's not apostles anymore, right? People don't say apostle, right? So today it'd be pastor. But the Bible says, you know, they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. I want to correct myself here. I do believe that apostles are still in existence. That's not what I'm saying. I do believe that. Many churches don't. So they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, they prayed together. They worshiped together. They met each other's needs. They ate together, right? All of this stuff, you know, is what churches, oh, we need to do this. But if you really think about it, and if you look at Magdala, as well as pretty much any other, you know, town in Israel, that actually was a blueprint for how every single city functioned, right? Because in Magdala, it's very, very clear that the temple was the focal point of the city. On one side of the city, you had all of the merchants and all of the businesses. On the other side of the city, you had all the residential housing, right? And so pre-Jesus, before Jesus entered the scene, this is what a town looked like. You had the temple, people would come and worship, um, they had the temple courts. That's where everybody would, you know, hang out and, and sell things. Um, you know, not necessarily sell things, but it's more like hang out. It was like a communal center, you know, and that's where like community life happened. Needs were being met because businesses were there providing services. You know, housing was there. You know, in a, a healthy city, you know, was actually functioning and all of those things were being fulfilled, right? They were teaching, they were worshiping, they were praying, they were meeting each other's needs, et cetera, et cetera, right? But what was their purpose? Their purpose was for selfish gain, right? Why did they go and pray and worship? It was, and, you know, sacrifice. It was so they could be saved and that was pretty much it, right? Why did they meet each other's needs? To make money in a business. Right? Why did they fellowship? Well, probably partially to to gain some uh, social collateral, um, you know, to be known and hey, you're a good person. And, and, and just like today, you know, the more connections you have, the more people you know, the more opportunities you have. So it was just like today. But when Jesus entered the scene, everything changed except what they did. Right. They still worshiped daily. They still committed to the apostles' teaching. They still prayed daily. They still met together daily. They still ate together on a regular basis. Needs were still being met, and everybody still had their needs met. The difference was, is their purpose switched from selfishness to Jesus. Now they were doing it to bring glory to God through Jesus. Right. So now, rather than listening to Jewish teachers, they were listening to Jesus and, and, and Christian teachings. Right. Um, now um, they were praying uh, to God through Jesus. Right. They were worshiping Jesus. Right. They were meeting each other's needs because 
you know, when you have Jesus, you love people differently. And so they were actually meeting each other's needs out of love rather than for profit. And so it's not like they stopped selling things, but when there was a need that had to be met of somebody that couldn't afford it, they met that need anyway. So the purpose changed, right? Not what they were actually doing, right? And, and I think that's really important for us to understand because the New Testament church, it, it, what it shows is that Christians, the church, they live their everyday lives no different than they did before. It was just with a different purpose, and that changed everything, right? It's it's not a blueprint for, hey, if we do this, 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 and this, the church is going to grow. Because in 47, it says, you know, because they were doing all of this, and God caused the increase. We cannot focus on increasing our numbers. We cannot focus on, you know, increasing the size of our church. That's not our responsibility. That is not our job. It's God's job. To, it's not really his job, but it, it's God will do it if we are actually being the church, right? It, it, so if, if you have a church or you go to a church and it has not grown for a significant amount of time, well, you might want to consider that God's not allowing it to grow. It's a possibility because God is the one who causes the increase, right? And if you are growing, if you are grow growing significantly, but you have been putting in significant time, money, and effort into marketing strategies, into attendance strategies, you might want to consider that the growth that you're experiencing might not be God. It might just be because you're good at marketing. And so we don't we never want to judge growth by numbers right what we want to judge growth by is the maturity of those within our local church and when those within our local church are mature the local church is going to grow by default because that's when god causes the increase and, and so this really boils all right back down to the whole purpose of this podcast is discussing these structural elements that have in, infringed upon, that have you know intruded on the ability for churches in North America to reflect a biblical church. We, we, we've taken that ability away by welcoming in outside sources that influence the decisions that church leaders make or don't make within the church. And so I'm really excited to share this with you guys. Um, the, the next podcast, we are going to be diving into some specifics. Um, we'll, we'll kind of each podcast will look at different specifics. So next week we'll look at um, a couple of those specifics, what aspect of the current uh, church strategy that's being used um, isn't working and why isn't it working and what is the um, biblical answer uh, to, uh, to that problem that the church is trying to solve. So um, if you haven't already, I would love for you guys to subscribe to this podcast. Um, if you guys have any questions please feel free to email me at bethechurch.go at gmail.com. 
Um, I would be more than happy to try to answer questions for you. If you would like to be on the show, you can also email me at that same email address, bethechurch.go at gmail.com. And we can schedule a time uh, to get you on the show um, to discuss these structural elements. Um, if you have a story, I'd love to hear it. If, if you know, no matter what your involvement with is in the church, if it has to do um, with church structure and some of the elements um, and realizing that there's things that need to change within church, I would lo love to talk to you about that.